Hello, I'm Alice Murray, editor of The Drawdown, and welcome to Private Equity Talks. The past two years have highlighted the importance of good liquidity management in private capital funds. The ability to quickly provide liquidity to portfolio companies and or investors is an absolute necessity for private capital fund CFOs. But fast forward to today, CFOs also have to contend with rising interest rates and high inflation environments. Against this backdrop, I'm delighted to be joined by Jeremy Slade, who heads up EMEA and Asia business of Hazeltree, to find out how private fund CFOs are evolving their approach to liquidity management. Hi, Jeremy. Hi there, Alice. Uh, thanks for having me on this uh, podcast. My absolute pleasure. Okay, so let's kick off and start thinking about how private equities, uh, private equity firms' approaches to liquidity management has changed in recent years. Yeah, I suppose, well, the obvious is the fact that all the businesses are scaling massively. Uh, we're seeing you know, increased number of funds, uh, increased assets, etc. Uh, and I'm sure you have better, you have good metrics around that in the, draw, in the drawdown. But, uh, but I think we're also seeing, because of that, you're seeing you know, significant increase in risk in the processes they're in. And you know, then that's causing you know, strains on the human capital. Human capital in these organisations can't keep up. You know, the, and, and that's driven by the fact they may be doing more mundane tasks than they probably signed up for when they became a fund accountant. And then I suppose, you know, you know maybe going back, you know, back to the beginning of that, we, we've, we, we see in a lot of organisations we go into where they, 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 they have very siloed parts of the business which really should be joined together. Things like you know, the, the treasury process, the, mash, the cash management process uh, is often run by a different team of people than people managing the the, the, the credit line side of the business, and maybe there's other people doing the distributions, etc. And, and these are not all joined up into one place into what we would term as liquidity management. And liquidity management is very different to looking at just cash or debt. It's bringing the two together really to say how do we how do how, how do these firms optimize that in the most efficient way? And then you know obviously most recently what we've got is you know with interest rates going up, you know we've had more calls in the last two months than we have in the last year. Uh, so, you know, as you would imagine, it's uh, a lot of people worrying about, well, I've got this cash lying around somewhere, you know, is it, am I being efficient? And, you know, that, that's really a, a big area of concern for a lot of the managers we're dealing with. Yeah. And can we just dig in on um, specifically why interest rates have caused this explosion in, in people picking up the phone and wanting to speak to you? I suppose, you know, probably most people would be listening to this and probably be stating the obvious, but I'll say it anyway. But you've got, obviously, you've got a lot of inefficiency around people. People typically are, when they're managing their bank accounts and cash is moving around, they're not necessarily, you know, really staying on top of it every day because they 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 generally put buffers in place because they, they don't have timely information feeding internally into their into a spreadsheet they're running or their, potentially a system they're looking at. Plus also, that's on the cash side, so that means there's some inefficiencies being left on the table there. Uh, and then the flip side of that is really on the on the credit lines. You know, obviously, you know, there was a, a, essentially an arbitrage play for the for the internal rate of return. You know, you're looking at credit lines, but the reality is that's diminishing, but it means it's becoming almost a cost now. So, uh, so a lot of firms are really looking at how they can you know, make sure that they optimise all their, their revolving credit facilities and sublines and so forth. Excellent. Okay. So... Um... That's very much kind of how the managers are seeing the world. But what about um, LPs? Um, what about their expectations in terms of liquidity management from GPs? And, and has that been changing at all? Well, I suppose it's a, it's a, 
downstream effect or upstream effects, maybe is probably a better way of putting it, uh, in the sense that you know, it's, it's reputational risk, I think, is a big part of uh, the, the issue that GPs could have with their LPs and so forth. So, you know, if, if, you know, if, if uh, distributions are not paid on time or paid to the wrong accounts or there's, you know, there's, uh, there's friction in the timeliness of, of processing things, uh, it, it's, uh, it's having an effect on the LP's view of how they do due diligence on, on all the GPs that they're, they're partnering with. And I think you know other other areas of things like a big thing. These I'm getting questioned all the time is around audit trail, around transactions, and having a clear audit on exactly what who's who's approved what, where, and when uh, within within one system or, or in, in one process, as it were. Yeah, it's something that we've um, been hearing about from CFOs is their um, LPs just needing better communication, better understanding of how cash is moving and, and I think predominantly when it's moving. So yeah, can absolutely see how that, how that ties in. Okay, and what about complexity? So yeah, I mean, complexity is, uh, is, is I suppose, our friend at Hazeltree, but essentially we have, you know, a, a lot of firms are, you know, launching more funds, they have more and more sleeves within the fund. Sometimes we have, uh, they have lots of different legal entities within within their investment structure, and to and to be able to to have a clear view across the whole structure, they really need to have a legal entity structure within their uh, within their liquidity management process, so they understand you know the cross holdings between the different SPVs and tax blockers, etc. So uh, so being able to that that complexity just grows every time they add a fund. Uh, it means they have to add another revolving credit line. They have to, you know, add more bank accounts, and sometimes those bank accounts are with different banks. So now you end up with multiple banks where different internal people are going onto different banking portals to, to put in wire transactions, approvals, etc. In many cases, we find people also potentially outsourcing part of these process to their fund administrators, which is fine. But often, often the fund administrators, it becomes a manual process for them too. Uh, plus, also when they outsource things, they don't actually have transparency on what current what cash is left in the account at any given time. So that that complexity is uh, is, is, is sort of compounded by the fact that they're trying to make their world efficient by outsourcing certain functions under an SLA with a with a, with a service provider like a fund administrator. But they they actually then don't have transparency on where they stand themselves. Now you overlay that uh, if you put a if you overlay that with uh, interest rates where they are today, uh, that becomes a bigger problem because if they don't know where cash is, they tend to leave buffers in place, which means there's cash, some people use the word lazy cash, lying around that's not actually generating a return because it's sat in a, a, a banking account not bearing interest. So so you end up with efficiencies coming out of this, even though a lot of firms are trying to make their world more efficient by utilising outside service providers. I mean, that's just one of many examples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not having that good data flow, not being able to get that full picture, that single source of truth. It's your favourite phrase. <laughs> I think it's the industry's favourite phrase. <laughs> um, now, you mentioned before um, how human capital plays a part into this. And um, in, in some cases, it's, it's about, you know, either trying to throw more bodies at something or, or battling against a large amount of churn that we've been seeing in the industry. Can you talk to me about how that's affecting liquidity management? Well, uh, I suppose, you know, I suppose talking about a system we represent is we have uh, 
we have the ability to be able to see, see the system as a portal of portals. So be able to see, you know, if, if, a, uh, if, a, if, a, if a GP can see all of their bank accounts and know what all, all the cash is in their accounts and what interest is, you know, either they're paying or receiving on them, all the forecast cash to know what, what liquidity they need in the future. They can see all of their credit lines also in the same place to see where all their, where all their lines are and what interest they're paying and be able to then calculate what is the best way and most effective way of managing my liquidity. That, that's, that's great because that's all normalised into one place. So what we do find is that we find a lot of firms, they spend a lot of time, they have highly trained, highly qualified fund accountants that are doing quite mundane tasks, just getting data organised. Uh, in a way to, so they can affect their work. So often it's 80% of the time they're doing work that's really organising the data and 20% of the time actually you know, doing the high value work that they were really hired to do. So I think the idea is, is that you know, we can deliver uh, an understanding of all of the data, all of, uh, have a transparency across uh, all of their data, both, both cash and, and the debt side and then be able to look at it from a pure liquidity perspective and understand what is the most effective way and, and do some modeling around cash flows to see what is the most effective way of actually uh, expressing their internal liquidity policy. Mm -hmm. uh, this drives much more efficiency through the process so they don't need as many people. The people are not doing the mundane tasks anymore, they're actually just doing the high value tasks, which means you have more engaged staff, it means people don't want, necessarily want to keep leaving and so forth. You know, and we often hear of people where they're literally all day long just doing posting wires into banking portals and then doing the approval process and then keying that into another system, like a general ledger system, to keep things all in step. Mm -hmm. All of this can be completely automated in this day and age. And I think yeah, firms are, you know, as they're growing in complexity, they're realising they can't, it's not sustainable to add another spreadsheet and another team of people. It just doesn't work. They, all they're really doing is adding more risk into the equation at the same time as actually not... Uh, inhibiting themselves to scale. Beyond keeping employees engaged, um, boosting retention levels, what does the future of liquidity management look like? Well, it's only, it's only increasing in complexity of the business, which means that there's only even more need for liquidity management and, and better systems and processes around it. I think you know, we, we are seeing you know, an exponent, there's still an exponential growth in, uh, in, in the private equity space, uh, and, not, and not just private equity, it's private debt, uh, real estate, we're seeing across the board, any, all the private markets. And in fact, what's interesting is, is that uh, we're actually seeing you know, a lot of conversations around the hybrid structures. So we're starting to see where you know, private equity is, it, is going into the more public space, and we're seeing we actually have a large number of uh, public clients, uh, you know, hedge funds, alternative managers, that are starting to head into the private space. So these areas are kind of merging into one alternative industry. And having you know, one system that can then service all of those needs is really what people are looking for. So being able to solve for future needs that they may or may not need today, but definitely enable, but it enables them to add efficiency into their process. I think, uh, I think obviously, you know, notwithstanding the, the finance and ops teams, you know, they need to have higher value activities. You know, a lot of this, you know, uh, mundane tasks that a lot of people are performing, and you know, and, and I think yeah, there, there's there are people that are building systems internally and some some processes internally, but ultimately to get to where they really want to, they really need to put something that's going to give them scale across the board, and act as as one ecosystem that their partners can come come into and be permissioned, and you know, and obviously under very strict stricter security measures you know things like fund administrators performing tasks within one environment so that so that everyone is on the same page and they're all synced to the same song sheet I, 
think there's a phrase you want to use around this, isn't there? Single source. Yeah. <laughs> Read my mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Kind of, yeah, creating something that's unified and flexible enough to enable firms to tackle or take opportunity of whatever the future holds, right? Indeed, yeah. Good stuff. Excellent. Well, that was fascinating, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for your time. Really enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. Thank you.